we do a quick intro. We got uh, the legendary Michael Herklotz joining us here at the uh, Long Ash Podcast Studios. Michael, I mean, what a resume. Davidoff, Matt Sherman, and now your very own company, Ferio Tega, which is just, I mean, on everyone's top lists for the past two two years, three years? How long have it been out? We're in market two years next month. I have to say, I don't think I've ever seen the almost immediate impact because you, you know we, we've had guys who transitioned from a manufacturer to doing their own thing. We have your Nick Melillos, your Steve Sakas. Usually, it does take a while for them to get some legs. Like even though Wednesday was one of my favorite cigars, it took a couple years for like foundation to kind of become as idolized as it is now. You are one of the, I think, rare exceptions where your immediate thing, like your immediate kind of announcement was met with huge excitement, huge acclaim, and you guys just stepped right into being a serious contender right off the bat. Well, there is, yes, Ferriotego is a story like none other. And um, as a result of that, the, the, the the bits and pieces of that story are equally unique mm-hmm. um, but I don't know that we have our legs fully grown yet we definitely have legs mm. but we still have a great deal of work to do a lot of work from a brand building standpoint brand awareness standpoint um, but we're off to a hell of a great start and it's been Tremendous amount of fun. Well, I hate to use a sports analogy, but you're like a what? I hate to use a sports analogy. That's gonna be lost on me, bro. You're you're like a highly you were a highly touted. I don't want to say rookie because you weren't, but in terms of Ferriotego itself, highly touted. You know, like up and comer. Like, oh, I wonder what this guy is gonna bring, kind of to the majors. And then you had a phenomenal rookie season, but now like you have a high ceiling. Like there's there's so much more potential, even though you're already crushing it. Whereas it didn't take this, like, uh, he had to play in the league a few years. Now, you personally have, in terms of your brand, I'm speaking yeah. of. Yeah. Like, you really, I mean, you were, what, Cigar Dojo, both the Elegancia and the Generoso, I think were top three. Number one and number three. Number one and number three. That's unheard See, of. See, moments like that, moments like this, those are the moments that help reinforce um, and reassure me that we're doing the right thing the right way. Right. Um, prior to the launch of Ferriotego, as you suggested earlier, there was a lot of enthusiasm. Yeah. But there was an equal amount of skepticism. And so as much as we had momentum and excitement for the launch of Ferriotego, there were also a lot of people saying, but let's see what happens. You know, let's see if he can pull it off. Yeah, let's- I, I mean, the conversations I had, I mean, you were the number one draft pick. When, yeah. when, when Nat Sherman, uh, you know, closed down, unfortunately, you could have, and I'm sure you got offers. I'm sure people, like, you could have gone anywhere and become a major player. Drew Estate, Davidoff, any of these guys would have been like, oh, just make him our manager. Like, you, you were so well-known and respected in the industry, which is why I think it took even more guts to go do your own thing because a lot of I mean, people move within this industry all the time and they get comfortable like, oh, I'll go work for this big corporation. I'll have security. I'll do this. I'll, I'll be able to implement a little of my creativity into it. But you decided to go out and create your own, which I think took a lot of courage. It, Yeah, a lot of it took courage. It took stupidity. It took <laughs> support. Um you know, it's interesting. The I did not have a lot of offers. And I've said that before and people think I'm crazy. But I did not have a lot of offers. My phone rang off the hook for people offering guidance and support and uh, well wishes. Right. No one was offering a job. Uh, I mean, I that's, that's crazy to me. That's well, insane to me. But, you know, I, I get it. Uh, you know, my... His, my work by the end was already being done by most organizations. No one really needed someone to do what I was doing because they already had people who were doing it. So I understand it. But I also think um, it's exactly what I needed as an artist 
to get back to being entrepreneurial right. as an artist. You know, you you dream as a drummer. I wanted to I wanted to make a living as a drummer. So that's what I did early on. You play, you hustle, you gig, you do all those things. But like then when you get that really steady gig, mm-hmm. um it's it's a great moment because it takes some of the fear out of being an artist. Mm. But it also takes a little bit of the of the fun out of it too. Right. And, you know, I was very comfortable and very proud being a employee, really proud of being an employee in this industry. Um, but this set of circumstances, timing and everything else made it really the moment to get back to the entrepreneurial mindset of an artist and right. now apply it to the premium cigar world. It's like you were a session musician for like a really big band, but you were kind of just in studio doing what they needed you to do and you were happy and you were secure, but it's like, I want to go be, I don't want to be Michael Herklotz's session time to, musician. It was time to go back to writing my own music. Exactly, exactly. I mean, dude, like I said, I mean, there's stories of that happening. I mean, and I think two of the most popular would probably be Nick and and Steve. But the almost, like I said, the almost immediate impact. Now, what you also did, which was really smart and probably, you know, maybe maybe solidified you a little bit up front, is you were able to go and get those old Nat Sherman brands and and at least introduce something off the bat with a little bit of familiarity to it. We had, again, it was a very unique opportunity. We were on one side creating a completely new brand in Ferriotego mm. with a completely new brand equity, brand proposition. Mm. But we also were able to acquire Timeless, Metropolitan, Encora, uh, Epoca, and restoring those brands with a level of familiarity where that was relevant right. um, was also a very unique opportunity. And that's that continues to be this kind of balancing act um, because Timeless and Metropolitan are live under the halo of Ferriotego. And so they too are kind of evolving in their uh, brand equity. Right. What's been amazing, though, is to see people discover Timeless and Metropolitan for the first time in the last two years. Yeah. With no awareness of the history of those brands. Um, And that has brought a whole new life to Timeless and Metropolitan in a way that I'm not sure we anticipated three years ago. Well, it must have been tough. I mean, Timeless was, uh, I mean, first of all, was and is a fantastic cigar. But it was definitely not, I think, what people expected coming out of Nat Sherman at the time. So I, I imagine there was some hesitancy from some people at the time who now see like, oh, now it's part of this more illustrious, not, not, not that Nat Sherman wasn't illustrious, but like this more high levels, very premium brand. Because that's what Timeless was. It was a very high end premium brand. But I think maybe at, and correct me if I'm wrong. At the time, Nat Sherman was known for like you know, like the Metropolitan, the host selection, whereas you were coming in with a complex, modern, you know, multi-leveled cigar. There was a lot of intentionality behind Timeless. Mm-hmm. It served multiple roles. It had to look different, it had to feel different, had to taste different. Everything about Timeless was designed to be forward-looking. Right. Um, so that no one could say, I've had this before, I've smoked this before, I've bought this before. Everything about it had to be completely right. different and yet feel relevant to the context of the Halo brand that it was launched right. under. Um, and, you know, that's not... It's It's interesting now, 10 years, 11 years later... It's still serving a very important purpose of being this very craft family of blends. Yeah. That when you look at the four blends, they are radically unique. I, I mean, they're the really pan, the not. The Panamericana is still. It's a beast. It's a beast. It's of a cigar. so good. And you look at that juxtaposed to Sterling, um, which 
though complex, of course, is so creamy and elegant and graceful. And it's, you wouldn't think necessarily that those two completely opposite blend experiences from two completely different countries could live under the same umbrella of timeless, but they do. And that is because they all share this through line and style, not unlike under the Ferriotego umbrella of Elegancia Generoso and Suma. The blends that I create have as much feeling as they have flavor. Right. And that has become, I think, a, a theme that has allowed those blends to really stand out in a humidor and tell their own story. Well, it's like music. You can, to create a true masterpiece, it can't just sound good. A lot of, a lot of poppy things sound good and they're the tune of the summer to create something that's going to have legs and it is impactful. There needs to be feeling behind it. There needs to be a passion behind it. And, but there's the, there's the difference of the intention of the artist, Mm -hmm. which we've talked about here. Yeah. When the intention of the artist is to write a hit, there are methods and rules and and best practices to be able to craft a hit. Right. And a lot of times it works. Yeah, like this this timing, this kind of thing. Last. Right. Because it's so manipulated to be perfect for that moment right. it'll be the, on the, the now that's what i call hits but CD you think, in but like you think of the yeah but that it becomes like the hits of the 80s exactly versus the most timeless hits right of an era and those are the hits that tend not to be manipulated they tend right. to be just so authentic and genuine like a bohemian rhapsody totally yeah and and i I take the the approach of the latter. Mm-hmm. I create with a with a musician's mindset, not a cigar maker's mindset. You know, it has to be something that feels good and looks good and moves me <clears throat> in a way that makes me feel that I have created something that is that is evolved right. from the last thing I created. And that's so important. I mean, like like you said, the, the creation of this hits like, oh, all right, this is, we have a cool name here. It's a decent enough blend and we're going to do a cool box with it and like, it'll it'll sell out. That's all well and good. But when you re-release that a year later, like nobody nobody cares anymore. It, it, because it had nothing, it had nothing behind it. When you have intention and passion and purpose behind something, even if it's like, listen, this was kind of made for me. It might not be everyone's cup of tea. But when it resonates with somebody, it truly resonates with them. This is where I struggle because any, uh, any conventional company already has next year planned. Yeah. And the year after, they know exactly what product is launching in what month, what they're going to do to ramp up to that, what they're going to do is to support it once it's in market, right? All of the details, the materials, the schedule, the planning, the procurement, it's all done which feels like very record label. Right. And you need that, obviously. Yeah. That's the pulse of the industry. Yeah. But I I guess I'm a little indie, you know? Like Yeah. I don't know what's going to be ready next year until I'm done. And you know, when typically if you're writing songs, you're not just sitting down and writing one song and then writing this song. Right. You've got a book and you're constantly like writing this lyric or writing these changes and going back to something and putting polish on it. And that's the creative process. And for artists, you love the process as much as you love the, the finished product. Finished product, maybe more. Yeah, you know, because the the process is the creative part. Once you once you stop the creative part and release it, now it goes to the critical part where yeah. people start judging it. There's no judgment in the creative side. Right. There is judgment. In the yeah. release side, that's something that uh, commercial side that I was that's that I was just discussing with uh, with Jim, in terms of like you know a lot of the new projects I've been working on is I love so much the process of creating it and then you find a new blender like oh what if the box had this on it and then you get the samples and you're like oh no let's tweak this 
and then once it's like kind of released, and this is something I need to get better on, that's when it becomes the business aspect. Like, all right, we got to make sure it's in these emails. We got to make sure it's this. We got to make sure it's plugged here. We got to make sure it's on this, uh, you know, the press releases. That, that's the part where I'm like, ah, like I, I, I want to scrap it and now I want to start something new again. So I have to get better on that. But you're right. It's, it's, you know, for a filmmaker or a musician, what's, what's the, like the, the most depression you get is when the thing is done. Like, oh, I, I've been filming this movie and then you have the premiere, like the day after the premiere, now what? Like now it's like, uh, but I, I go guess on talk that's shows. Where, from the music side, there is, there isn't necessarily finality. Yeah, because even because when you're, you're writing one album, you're probably working on it, like there's something inspiration for the and next one. And you're touring. Yeah. And your stuff pops up on the radio and you're so it it very much feels cumulative as a musician. Right. As opposed to perhaps being an being a uh, an actor, it's always start and end, start, start end. end. I I guess it's cumulative in your in your record. Right. But as a musician, that cumulative nature, you're constantly creating the balance of old favorites and new work in every concert. You are know you, what I mean? When you go to a concert, are you a, I want to hear the new stuff or are you a, I want to hear the hits. So let's say you're going to, who's like still, so you're going to see the Rolling Stones, and they're still still pumping out albums. You know, their last one was probably only a couple of years ago. Do you want to go hear Brown Sugar, or do you want to hear their latest stuff? This is a problem for me. Hmm. I don't like going to concerts. Oh, I hate. I I love music, and I hate concerts. I hate, I, I can tell you the last concert. I like I a went jazz to. club. Actually, I can tell you the last concert I went to what? was Dave Matthews Band, and the only reason I went, I don't. I'm not a Dave Matthews fan. I went because the drummer came into the shop, oh, Carter, really? and he's a big cigar guy. And one of my old college buddies uh, and dorm mates is the trumpet player. Oh, wow. And they were playing in New York and said, hey, you should come see this show. So I, we went yeah. out. We hung out on the bus. We were backstage. But I, I don't like to go to concerts to listen to the music, I like to go to concerts to see musicians play, right. particularly ones that I know. So I don't know the Rolling Stones. It would bring me no joy to go to that concert. Really? Kind of, it's kind of like cigar events. Like I've moved, I've lost a bit of that, that consumerism mm. that allows you to be part of the experience. Right. I have a hard time doing that. So if if you told me that tomorrow night there was going to be a cigar event, no, thank you. Yeah, you know, I'm not on yeah. that night. Exactly. But if you told me Hostos is doing a event and Hostos called me and be like, "Hey, I'm in New Jersey. I'm going to do an event. I'm there because I want to see my man Hostos." Right. You know, that's exactly. where it's different. And for me, musically, it's the same. Mm. It's I don't care what you're playing. If if I have a connection to you as a musician, I want to see you working. You know, that's that's what brings me the joy now. So you're much more of a I want to even if it's like an underground, you know, jazz, you know, four piece jazz trio that and you and you know, one of the guys and it's a small club in New York City. You'll take that over going to see like Paul McCartney play at City Field. Oh, any day, <laughs> any day. All right. I, I can respect that. I don't. I generally don't like big concerts. The only one, I, I mean, I saw the Eagles recently. That was cool. The biggest one I went to that was actually awesome was I did see Roger Waters do the wall at Yankee Stadium. But that was that was more of an experience. That was like he had a whole, it was like a show. It wasn't just like I'm going to sit up here with an acoustic guitar and play the wall. He did a whole thing, and it was unbelievable. But yeah, I'm the same. And I also don't like especially older musicians when their voice starts going a little bit and they put the mic out so like the audience can sing. I'm like, I didn't come here to listen yeah, to I, these people sing. It's not my show. It's your yeah, show. Yeah, I don't want to hear you sing, you yeah. know? So, so I, I, am, I am similar in that. Um, what, so you said the last concert you went to was Dave Matthews. I mean, you, you have a very interesting way of looking at it. And you know, I, listen, I think there's probably a lot of cigar manufacturers who are like, oh, I like to, I'm an artist. But you, you actually are. In 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 the literal sense of the word, you went to school for music. You were an, you know you're an accomplished musician. 
So you have this really interesting perspective and it's working out well. I mean, some might think like, oh, if you don't follow the rules, if you don't follow the typical ABAB thing, it's not going to work out. But you found a way to not only make it work, but make it incredibly impactful in a short amount of time. I have to... It's been interesting to go back and see some of the interviews that I've done in the past. Um, because I realized that the way I'm talking about the work has evolved. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because my relationship to the work has evolved. Exactly. And so, so much more of the conversations I've had recently have had so much more music and art and artist and creative roots. But that's because I've become, I've gone back to being the artist yeah. again. You're no longer the session musician. You're, you're creating the music. It's interesting to see how it's all evolved. And even my relationship with the work, when I enjoy it after, is, um, you know, in, at, at some moments very critical of my work and then at some moments you know the ability to just sit back and be like wow it's really it's it's what i hoped it would be right. and now you know start thinking about what i can do next but it's been very interesting um hearing back the way i talk about the work and the industry and the business um and it's also been interesting to see how others it feels like may be evolving and responding the way they speak about it. No, I, I, I that agree. matches. I agree. I mean, listen, when you were when you were you know, and, and we had talked at that point. I think probably I think I interviewed you at one of the at a, a couple of trade shows. But you, uh, from what I remember, you were probably giving you know you were always a great interview, but you were probably giving the standard like corporate like you know this is the new. You know, uh, 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 Nat Sherman thing. We went to this factory. We got this tobacco. We did it ten years because that's that's kind of the script when you're doing that. You now have the ability where like it's also it's the thing that mattered the most. Yeah, at the time, right, right. Wrapper binder filler is important when you when you don't have the authenticity to speak about other aspects. Right. But today there are other aspects I can talk about, like. Not just wrapper binder filler, but what's the actual story behind it? Not the literal, like, what's the brand story, but what are we trying to evoke? Well, why don't you tell us that for Suma? Oh, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> well, this was great. Mike, thanks for stopping by. Great. No, man, Suma, so the word Suma is uh, a all-encompassing or a, a synthesis of the body of work to date. So when I think of that body of work, for me, that's going back 24, 25 years. Right. Um, as, as someone that has worked on blends and created blends, now that goes back 10 or 11 years. And as now a brand owner, that goes back two years. So there's a lot of synthesizing and a yeah. lot of bodies here. You right. know what I mean? But the, the point for Suma was to create something that is core. I believe core is king in this industry. I don't like, I, I shouldn't say that. I like limited editions. I like one-offs. But I love core. I love creating something that can become a part of someone's life right. in perpetuity. That's Suma. And then stylistically, it's trying to create a cigar with flavors that are relevant today that lead with Nicaragua, that have a lot of the earthiness and the chocolate and the coffee and the espresso and leather, those dark flavors, but to present it in a body that is the opposite of what you would expect right. from those flavors. The unctuous, mouth-filling, creamy, velvety uh, texture and feeling. And if you can put that all together and synthesize it in a way that you can connect the dots from this blend to Elegancia and Generoso. You can connect the dots to Sterling, Panamericana, Supreme Prestige. That's, I think, what we did. 
So let me ask you, are you manufacturing, and I don't want to get too much into the, into the manufacturing details, but I know that one of the unique aspects about um, Generoso and Elegancia is that you treat them more like a wine vintage where it's the same field, it's the same like you know acreage, and then if there's any weather changes or there's a slight deviation in the flavor, then you have your good years and you have your bad year. Like you just you have the the year. Whereas a lot of uh, manufacturers will try to mimic the exact experience. So whether it's you know, maybe we got to do a slightly different filler this year or this yep. crop wasn't good, so we got to do this. You want the authenticity of like it's from these places. Every time, whatever that is, it is. For Elegancia and Generoso. Yes. Are you doing that with Suma also? Or no. is Suma going to be, this is this is the experience every time? Here's the best, I, I practice this every time, finding better ways to explain the difference. <laughs> Elegancia and Generoso are made once annually in the style of Elegancia and Generoso, but they are made fresh. They're not made compared to prior. Right. So the the spirit and intention of Eleganzia is replicated or is recreated every year without tasting it against the prior work. Right. Core, whether it's Timeless, Metropolitan, or Suma, every production is tasted and compared to the previous production or productions to make sure that they are unrecognizably different. They must be different, right. but that the experience of those blends is as close to identical as possible. Suma is core. So Suma, moving forward with production, every Suma will taste like this, just like Timeless and just like Metropolitan. So would you say, and I think it's safe to say this, that Suma is the first... The first true Ferriotego core line, as in like 100%. M- made made under, under the banner. Tego Suma is the first traditional core line. So it's it's funny you brought up the limited editions. I I I think I talked about it with you, but I definitely have talked about it recently. Maybe me and Chris did an episode where for you know I'm a cigar nerd at heart, and there you know, and it's it's like anything besides cigars. It's shoes, or it's you know you know whiskey that this limited edition culture has really taken over. And so I, and I fall for it a lot. I always sure. fall, you get, you get excited, you want it, it's rare. Oh, I, I could tell my friends, oh, a year later I had this thing. But when we were kind of thinking it through in terms of this cigar industry, we were trying to come to the conclusion on, not, not who's at fault, because I do think it's getting a little out of control. I think you're right, and I think a lot of manufacturers agree with you. I know John does. Like, it, core is important. That's what we should be focused on. Is it the fault of the manufacturers who, like, keep pushing it, or is, like, they kind of did it a few times, and, like, oh, we'll just make it fun, but then it's now, like, what customers almost demand. Like, they demand, uh, you know, who, who, what came first, I guess, the chicken or the egg? Bro, it's... If- I don't know where, I mean, look, I've been, I've been in the business since 1999. There were cigars that were, quote, limited back when I started. Hmm. Maybe not so much complete one-offs, but the early limited editions that I think of, the Avo birthday, I think the, the 75th anniversary, I think was one of the first annual one-off, one-and-done, as well as some of the early Davidoff Limiteds. But the the idea that even those were somehow core and that you could look forward to them annually, but it is it's purely just the evolution of supply and demand, chicken and egg. And also a race from a from a competitive standpoint mm-hmm. on who's going to take that idea and innovate it. And so now we live across all spectrums of industries in this idea of a drop. Right. There's a drop every week, a drop every month, a drop. It's um, it's a difficult thing 
in my it's difficult for me to wrap my head around building a brand with a culture of memes. Right. I can't I can't figure that out. That but that's also feels like a marketing based approach. Yes. As a creative artist, we don't take marketing based approaches really to anything because you can't work creatively and thoughtfully with a deadline. Right. Those two things don't compute. Um, so I think you had really thoughtful, creative artists who were creating these one-off, unique releases that then got... Um, like, commercialized. Accepted, and then you had very big, established folks who said, we can take that idea and we can apply that within our ecosystem and really take the idea and run with it, which is not a bad thing. Right. It just has changed a, a portion of the industry. Um, but you go back to what really drives our industry, really, and it's core. It is. It's totally core. It is. And as much as we all love new shiny things, in all our our consumer good buckets, we all have our, our go-tos. Yeah. We all have standbys, whether it's the shoes we wear, the fragrance we wear, the car we drive, the, you know, our favorite order at a fast food. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's a unique balance we're in today where as consumers, we are probably the most open-minded we have ever been to trying new things and taking a shot and giving someone a chance. But then we're also fiercely loyal yeah. to the thing that has been there for us the longest. You want, it's like, it's like you want the experience of trying something new. You like to have new experiences, but there's always a security issue. You want to have the old reliable. I'll go to the fancy you know, seafood taco food truck, but I want to make sure McDonald's is there. Just, you know, like you always want to go back to like the reliable to it's, it's going to be the same day in day out for me. The real challenge is can, can you do both? And not, I, not the way it's going. I don't, th I don't think it's sustainable the way it is. Yeah. I, I honestly don't think so because you know, like I've I've talked to to John, and uh, you know, John he's a good friend of mine, and you know he he does they do a lot of limited editions. They do like the Mule Kick, uh, Las Calaveras. I and I also see that there's a difference between something like Generoso, Elegancia, Las Calaveras, something that is a this is an annual like well we make yes. like a decent amount of it, but it's we drop it once a year, and then if we sell out of it in two days out of our warehouse, you can't call us up in four months and get it. There is a difference between that and then the, you know, uh, like one of the Davidoff, uh, you year know, of, yeah, the year of the, or like when Eladio Diaz and he would do those soft 10 packs where, you know, they make a couple hundred of them. So there is a difference in that. I want to say that what you, what you and like what John does with like Las Calaveras is more like limited core. It's going to be here every year. It's got a low, its own logo. It's got its own brand story. We're just, we might tweak a little bit. It's going to be a fun experience every year, but also you'll, you'll be able to, to find it mostly where you can find my brand. It's, I think that's the way of the future, by the way. I think that, that's, that's a way for, well, both but these I, you worlds know what to though? It's going to be interesting now that, you know, for the first time in since 2014, Get, buckle we, up. We can get creative. Buckle up. I, I, I actually fear the opposite. I think that there's going to be more random meme drops. Oh, no, I agree that that's what's going to happen. I think that the other way is the only way for it to work long term. Sustainably. But I, sustainably. Got it. But I, oh, yeah, I think you're about to see some Ugh. crazy shit come out. Ugh. And I think, you know, we, listen, and, and what's great about this industry is a lot of, um, we, we, a majority of people try to take care of the industry as a whole. Like when JSK came out with the chocolate bar cigar, a lot of like high end industry people 
We're like, hey, man, like this is making the rest of us look bad. We're fighting this fight with the, F- with the FDA. So there's a lot of self-correction in this industry or attempt at self-correction. What I fear now is that we don't have that anymore, at least for now, with the FDA looming over us. So there's going to be a lot of wacky people who are going to be doing a lot of wacky shit that, and, and what can, what can we say other than like, uh, I would rather you not do that, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of crazy borderline stuff coming out in the next year or two. I think the, the majority of participants in this industry truly love and appreciate the craft. Yeah. And are committed and invested in a bright, safe future. Mm-hmm. But like anything else, there are always some yeah. fringe actors. What I think we have to do is collectively amplify the good parts. Exactly. And try and... Um, not that there isn't a place... Or there shouldn't be an opportunity for people to do whatever they want. But we also have the right not to support it, mm-hmm. not to buy it, not to show it, not to talk about it, not to review it, not to post it. And that by itself will hopefully not um, allow too much oxygen to stoke the flames of those things that present risk. Yeah. to our industry. Yeah, and I think we're seeing that with some people now. I mean, there's one guy, we just call him the guy with the hat on here. I don't I don't like I don't want to put his name out there, but a lot of hats in this business, but, bro. Uh, he's we me and you have talked about him before, uh, but he's a notorious like he just came in this industry for a money grab kind of guy, but the the feeling I'm getting from the industry is that yeah, they're they're stoking that flame out. He he's he's running out of avenues to go, which I think is I'm not trying to be mean to the guy, but beautiful for the industry that we can kind of, like I said, self-correct and be like, this is bad for the industry. It's not a good look. It's not a good way of doing business. So we're going to kind of take our, our own our own action to, to rectify this as much as we can. Because you're right. Everyone, so many people have such a passion for what they do. And when you see someone come in, oh, this is an easy way to make money. I'll 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 sub a cool sticker on a thing and I'll call it limited and I'll I think I'll talk shit people, on Instagram and then it'll be a you know uh, it'll it'll I'll get uh, it's like clickbait and I'm like dude have you ever been to a factory like this is not a clickbait industry or or really it shouldn't be I mean sometimes it can be but th- that's not this is not crypto you know well it's funny cuz crypto is always the analogy I use in these meme cigars that mm-hmm. drop out of nowhere Everyone rushes for them. Then it's a rug pull. There's yeah. no liquidity, and it never comes back again. It's so funny you use those two words. I have just been going into a deep hole with CoffeeZilla <laughs> okay. on YouTube, and uh, I don't know if anyone, Chris, you know who CoffeeZilla is. Uh, so he's the guy. He like helped expose FTX. He helped expose oh, yeah. Logan I've Paul. Seen this guy. So he's he he dresses up like an old detective. He wears like suspenders, but he goes deep. And these are words that I now like liquidity pool and you know like oh this is not a rug, meaning it's not like a scam. It's right. and it's like but that's but not, that's you know. crypto terms, yeah. and you can apply it in our in our world. The idea that today that's a hot cigar and tomorrow no one's ever heard of it. Yeah. Also brings to light. What what kind of impact is that brand really having? Like, right. if you turn your phone off and you walk into a traditional brick-and-mortar shop, it doesn't exist. Yeah. You know? I want to exist when the power goes out. Yeah. That's my... If I have one goal as a brand, I want Ferriotego to exist... When the power goes out. When the day, the day they're putting up the chairs and turning the lights when, out. When Wi-Fi goes out, when power goes out, when your phone doesn't work, when YouTube is dark, I still want you to know what Ferriotego is. Listen, when the apocalypse comes, having good cigars, it's going to be a commodity. People are going to be willing to, you know, willing to trade for it or whatever, so that's why yeah, I'm... Yeah, but what I'm, are you going to trade them on if the internet's down? No, like in, in go, person, you know, you like, yeah, you 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 meet someone like uh, Walking Dead, like on the on the road, and you're like, listen, I got some cigars. If you have any tomatoes or ammo or whatever, whatever you need at the time. Um, Let me tell you. But you know, it is it is. Uh, I I can't stand how much 
like, like the memification. That's that's a really you you really hit the nail on the head. This, but I also I. If you look at the handmade premium cigar industry in its totality, the brands that are the most revered today are unquestionably still some of the most traditional, steadfast, focused brands that have resisted the distractions and temptations of fast pump and dump and have stayed absolutely committed to doing the thing that they do better and better and better. Yeah, when you look at a Padron or an Oliva... The the big brands now were the big brands ten years ago, like right. and, and there's it's not like all of a sudden, you know, uh, who like JSK is now like you know has taken advantage of the moment and they're the biggest seller. It's like no, the guys who have been doing it the traditional way, traditional avenues, creating solid core. I mean, the Oliva V that that's, talk about cigar is going to be here until the end of time. But that's not to say that they didn't innovate. No, no. but you're you're talking about a difference in mindset from how do I make next month to how do I make next decade. Right. And Ferio Teco is taking a next decade approach. The The way we're building is rooted in this balance of thoughtfulness, intentionality, um, and, and gratitude yeah. to, to make sure that if we're if we're creating thoughtful blends that we believe are great and then we're releasing them to market we now enter into this triad contract of we deliver the goods a retailer honors that agreement and pays for it consumer then goes to retailer and buys it and then becomes loyal to this brand and so there's this trifecta i take that contract very seriously yeah and if 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 someone if someone's first foray into that contract is Metropolitan Habano, I have to make damn sure that Metropolitan Habano stays great every single production. And I have to do that for Timeless and I have to do that for Ferio and and it takes the same amount of time, even more effort, to keep them great as it does to pop make a, something pop a new. new thing. And pump and dump, yeah. and you've also shown. I mean, the, the manufacturers you have you have chosen to work with in K. I mean, and I, I, you know, I'm. I think I've told you I'm working with uh, Enrique and, and Quesada on something now, very much due to Elegancia, because I had always known. Uh, listen, I, I the Casa Magna, the Colorado, the Escudo, uh, I believe it was back in the day. Also, these were amazing cigars, but maybe Quesada had a little trouble with the marketing aspect, getting their name out there in those kind of intermediate, you know, intermediate years where like Instagram took up and YouTube and all this stuff. But Elegancia and then the Casa Magna Liga F that they released, I think it was two or three years ago, reminded me like, oh, these guys are outstanding at what they do. Outstanding at what they the do. The best artists are always the worst marketers. Yeah. I mean, it's... yeah. Brutal. At least yeah. now with Instagram, you can just take great work and put it out, and then people exactly. will be like, "Oh, this guy's really talented." But uh, it's not easy for small businesses that are rooted in quality and intentionality and and creative to then go out and be successful right. at marketing and selling. Um, but my relationship with Casada is one on the creative side, and. I think their ability to not just help craft, but then relentlessly repeat it and replicate it is arguably unmatched. Yeah. I mean, and I, what we're having now is also from Quesada yeah. Suma. I, 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 I got a, a K now that I've smoked, cause now I've been smoking them a ton between Elegancia and the, and the Casa Magna Liga F. I've been smoking a lot of Quesada the past few months and I'm like when I first smoked Suma because we we got to feature it on Cigar of the Month box uh, in August, right? When in I its launched. debut. Thank you very much for that. It was a big big hit. Um, but I got to smoke one, and I hadn't like I knew that it was released. Um, uh, 
Joe from Dab? I think his name is Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, who's been great. Um, he was the one who was like, hey, we got the new Ferratego Sumo. We'll do it for the for Cigar of the Month box. But I didn't like I didn't like see an article about it yet at that time. And then when I got the smoke one, so I didn't know who made it. And I'm like, this is probably Quesada. Because I'm I'm for recognizing me, like a little bit of the of if the, if we take the 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 Suma name and just equate it to Ferriotego, this is the synthesis of Elegancia and Generoso. It's okay. got it's got the mouthfeel of Elegancia. Mm-hmm. With darker core flavors like the second half of Generoso, mm. um, and so it's a it's disproportionately Nicaraguan filler with some Dominican filler, and then binder is Ecuador, wrapper is Ecuador, and so you get this relationship of texture, flavor, body, intensity, but not ferocity. Uh, that's a that intensity, but not ferocity. I like that. I like that a lot. It was a good one. There's always one. I always get to drop one little gem. Chris, that's, make sure you click put that one for TikTok. Um, intensity, not ferocity. So we're going to. But that's up. a big thing, man. No, it is. No, and and that and it's is also, something. I think that has really become a signature style that I try and apply with everything. Is when I create a blend, I try and achieve body and texture and condition first and then polish flavor second but you got to i have to have body that's rich texture that's creamy condition that is not dry but not right. drooling right and then you start layering the flavors so i i think one of the hardest things to do in terms of blending is I'm not going to say that it's easy, but I, I think making a mellow-bodied cigar or a mellow-strength cigar with a good amount of flavor can be done, has been done a lot. I think making a medium to fuller body in terms of or body and, and strength, but making sure it's balanced and nuanced, I think is incredibly difficult. So when you find one that does that, it's something special. Listen, anyone can make a full-bodied cigar. There's a thousand of them out there that are just going to knock you out with strength and like intense flavor and a lot of smoke. But to have, like you said, the core values of that, but in a balanced, almost symphonic way, I think is incredibly unique. But I also think it it's something that went underappreciated for a mm-hmm. time where people people were looking for the most obvious. Right. Um and had perhaps loved, lost the love for finesse. Yeah. And I think we're in a place now where uh, people are looking for something that is a little more thoughtful, more nuanced, something that, like one, one thing I say about Sum all the time is from the moment you take a puff, you are compelled to take another puff. Yeah. There's something that pulls you along. I've I've talked about that with cigars my entire career. That I there is there is a certain kind of cigar, and it's not a certain kind of tobacco or a certain manufacturer, but there is a certain type of cigar that I need to just keep puffing on. It will never go out of me because I will never allow it to sit for that long. And Suma is definitely one of them. Now I want to finish up with this talking. We talked previously about uh you know you got one and three. Cigar of the Year for Cigar Dojo. I was on their show just last week, and we did uh, the cigar brand draft. Okay. So I know you're not that big of a sports guy, but we did what was called, it was four of us, and we did what was called a snake draft. So there's four guys. We had three tiers of brands, large companies, medium companies, smaller boutique. And then you had to pick two from each, and it goes, so let's say it was me, you, Chris, and then Frank. I pick, you pick, Chris picks, Frank picks, then Frank picks again, and it goes, it's snake draft, so it goes back and forth. Got it. So I was the fourth. And I'm noticing on the small company side, there's a lot of brands in there that I don't know on like the boutique side, because Dojo, they, you know, Black Star Line and, uh, and all these companies. My first pick, Ferriotego. First pick, first pick. And I, and I thought it was crazy. Because, like, you know, big companies, you had Ashton, Monte Cristo, Rocket. It's like you, you're you going to be able to find talent. 
up there. Like, you, you know, I don't need to pick that for now. It's like getting, you know, when you're picking your fantasy football team, I don't need my kicker in the first round. I need someone where I'm like, this is, this is my, this is my, like, like when you get a great tight end, like this is what's going to put me over is that in, in this avenue where there's, it's tough to find a really solid, reputable option. I'm getting like the number one company here and I'm getting it in the first round. And I, I came in second place when the, when the people voted, but I mean, Eric came in first place and it's his show. So like I want, so he did, he did two votes. He did one on YouTube, one on Facebook. I, I won on YouTube, but then the Facebook one, people were like live doing it during the show. Eric won. I'm like, uh, we all said like a little fishy here. Little fix. A little, little fix. A little bit of a fix. But I came out and said, you can watch the video. I came out and said, I'm like, the fact that Ferio is, is available to me with the, with the third and fourth pick of the draft is, is insane. It's insane. Well, first of all, thank you. And I think it also illustrates the work we still have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what is, what's exciting about Ferio Tego in the Northeast might be the same thing that um, creates some skepticism in the Midwest. Yeah. We are two years in. I think it's fair to say that we are uh, ahead of the game for a traditional premium cigar startup two years in. Absolutely. But regardless of how much time we have behind us, what is evident is how much time we have ahead of us, and there is a lot of work left to do, and we're just going to keep doing it one step at a time. That was so well said. I'm, th- I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to have that be be the final thought. That was beautifully said. Nice. I like that. I like that. Michael, thank you. I thought you. you were going to end with your tight end bit again. No, no, no. I am, I am going to win in fantasy this week, so... Derek out there better watch out but Michael it's always an absolute pleasure thank you so Likewise. much so much for joining us any anytime you're in the area please feel free to, to stop by we'd love to have you um, everyone out there make sure to check out Ferriotego Suma now available such a fantastic cigar such a fantastic story um, and make sure to comment like and subscribe check out our, you know all of our episodes on Spotify Apple Podcasts and as always keep it lit <laughs>